everybody. Today I'm going to be talking all about the art of decluttering and thinking about how you can declutter and organise your learning spaces, perhaps ready for the new academic year. So this is an area that I often do training on and I get many questions asked about the best way to declutter, where to start, how to approach it. So I thought, right, let's have a session on it today. Let's talk about it. So I don't know if you're aware of this, but in Sweden, there is something called the Swedish art of death cleaning. And what this is, is it's a way of preparing your house, keeping it organized, getting rid of things that you no longer need, being really quite minimalist so that if or when you sadly pass away, you're not leaving your family with the burden of having cupboards to sort out, you know, lofts to empty, things that you've saved for years. You're living in such a simple way that the things that you have got, they're used and they serve a purpose. Now, I know it sounds like such a morbid subject, and I don't mean that you have to think of it in terms of the death cleaning scenario, but do have a think about the types of resources that you've got out, thinking about the ways that these are used. Often we cram our areas don't we, with so many different things that the children can't often see what's there because they're just so crowded. Or sometimes, and I used to do this as well, um, in my construction area, I would have so many different types of mini construction kits out. I didn't actually have enough of one particular kit for children to use on a larger scale and make anything purposeful with. So let's start right back at the beginning. This is something I always start my training with if you're new to me. And that's by considering what your vision is. So what is it you feel young children need to be successful learners. So what is it that you need to put in place to help that learning happen? Now, this is a really useful exercise to do with you and your team. Everybody in your team can consider these questions, record down on some paper their thoughts and their responses to these, and then try and feed all of those ideas together to create one shared vision for your setting. And then this vision, it's going to help drive all your practice forward. So if you're making any decisions about the way you organize your provision, about the way you, um, you know, organize your rhythm of the day, you're going back to this vision and thinking about what you as a team, you as a collective want for your children. You can even go further than your team and you can talk to your children about it. What do they think is important to them? Talk to their parents and get everybody's ideas involved. It's really crucial that you get this right because this is then going to start influencing the way that you carry out your everyday work. So once you've got your vision in place, we're then going to look at how that translates into your learning environment and into your practice. So for instance, if you see your children as being able to flourish in independence, then you need to be thinking to yourself, 
is the environment set up in a way that allows children to do this? My construction area previously wouldn't have been very good at doing this and promoting it because literally my shelves were crammed with so many different things that children perhaps couldn't always see what resources were there to use. So this is where it's important to take that vision and think about how it actually looks in reality. Now, I know, because I've been there myself, that when we stand back and we look at our provision and we think, oh, we need to change everything, that can be really overwhelming. So I don't want you to start panicking. I don't want you to take too much on at once. I want you to start slowly. So stand back, observe your children, see how they're using the areas, maybe tune in to where your children are having the most disagreements, fallouts, maybe look out for where children um, are fighting for space, you know, they, they haven't got the space to work or do what they need to do. And then take one of your problemed areas and start here. Because if we take just one little area, you can start building up momentum by making tiny little tweaks and changes, observing what happens, how the learning changes as a result of the way that you organise this area, and then you're going to start feeling really good about it. You're going to think, oh, well, I made some changes to the sand area. It didn't take very long, and already I'm seeing the levels of engagement so much higher so then you're encouraged to then take another area and think about that so start small and um, do an audit if you're part of my members club or part of my accreditation you will know that you can access my um, indoor and outdoor audits as part of this and you can just take these print them out if you need to look at them on a tablet and assess what resources you've currently got in those areas. There's also some ways where you can use the Leuven scales, which I talk about in my accreditation, so that you can observe the levels of involvement and engagement in the areas currently. When you've done that, you can then um, start thinking about the changes that you're going to make, stand back, re-observe the areas and see what the difference has made. And that's hopefully going to build your confidence. Now, I know a lot of people say, when I'm going into different settings and working with them, do I need to get rid of all my plastic resources? Should I just be going for everything natural? Well, this is a debate that I took to on social media this week. And for me, as an early educator, I always like to achieve a good balance of natural resources and some plastic resources because not all plastic is terrible you know there's some great plastic resources out there like the pneumocon like the magnetiles like the playmobile people that you can add and combine with all your natural loose play and blocks so please don't head for all your brightly colored plastic resources and throw them out or even give them away carefully consider each one. I like to think of my resources in terms of the creative opportunities that they offer. So if I've got something like, you know, a pack of magnetiles, I think, wow, these are great. These are open-ended. 
they allow <clears throat> for children to take their learning in a multitude of different ways. So this is a really good resource and I can then place that with my loose parts or with my small world creatures and watch how the children's imagination runs wild. So take each resource and consider each one in turn. And then don't head straight for the bin with it. If it's something that you really don't want, you're not going to store it, uh, perhaps you're short on storage space, maybe have a sale or give it to somebody that's really needy. Um, you know, perhaps offer it to some uh, parents, have a parent um, donation area where parents can do a swap or um, have a toy library. I don't know. But don't just throw it away because we need to be so um, aware of the environmental impact that's also having as well. So there are a few of my thoughts. Start small, make some changes, see how you get on and hopefully these positive changes will make you feel happier about your provision and you'll start to build that momentum within your practice. Then you can move on and tackle your next areas. So I hope that helps. Music